the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. A couple minutes after 4. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thank you for tuning in. A lot of sunshine, the deal today, rest of the afternoon. Some clouds tonight, low 68 after getting close to 90 during the day. Tomorrow, a mix of clouds and sun, high up to 92. May get some thunder showers on Thursday. Temperature a little cooler in the lower 80s. We're very excited. We keep making progress in our partnership with Bible League International. Another bite out of the apple taken, 1,600. 18 Bibles accounted for, which is fantastic. We only have 582 to go. Thanks to everyone who's helped out with that. They're just $5 a piece as we look to partner with Bible League to send Bibles to Asia where the gospel is growing very quickly, which is great news. Less great news, though, is that only about one in 10 believers has a Bible to read and to grow. Very practical need, though, and I love it because I think it's within reach of just about everybody to be able to do at least one Bible for $5 and it's in the recipient's own language. So it goes a very long way. It's a wonderful deal, if you will, when you consider what's at stake. And uh, as uh, Michael Woolworth from Bible League International pointed out when he was on with us uh, a couple weeks back, this is not just the first Bible that the, the new believer will receive. It may very well be the only Bible they ever have. And put in that context, it takes on even more significance. I have a long list of folks in front of me, not going to go through the whole list, but just so you know, there is a long list of folks who said, count me in. Richard in Somerset, New Jersey, uh, went and called in uh, yesterday, at some point, I think it was uh, mid-morning, and said, I'll do 10 Bibles. Walter in Parkside, Pennsylvania, Called in, said he'd do 10. We had Vernon and Philly say, I'll do one. Vernon, that's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Jane in Fort Washington said she'd do 20 Bibles. We've had other folks do uh, quite a bit, even more. Adrian and Satterton did uh, 120 Bibles. Most folks are doing somewhere between 5 and 20. Uh, but whatever you can do, it all adds up. It all matters. You're giving the word of God to somebody. I'm not sure how many other things in this life you can do that would be a whole lot better. There are a lot of good things you can do, right? But this is certainly simple, clean, neat, $5 to help someone have a Bible that they can read and uh, grow in their walk with the Lord. What a beautiful gift. We've worked with Bible League many times before, typically in the springtime, and uh, we're coming down the home stretch. We usually work with them for about a month, and we're coming up on that right about now. So... You want to help out? It's 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. The number, again, 800-937-9673. Or on our website, 
you can click the Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia banner. Did get a phone call to the station sometime in the last day. One of our listeners said, I'd like to mail a check. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you can do that too. But I really wasn't sure how. So I looked into it. I found out how you can do it. And if that's your preferred method, let me know and I can get you that info. My email address for this and or anything else, if you want to get in touch, is simply Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com. Uh, text line for the show as well. And in general, if you just want to drop a line sometime, something's on your mind, check that as much as I'm able to. 610-500-DOVE. That's our number, 610-500-3683. By the way, if you'd like a little more context as to what this whole Bible League thing is about, where the Bibles are going, why they do what they do, uh, on a very simple level, you can just see on face value how important having a Bible would be, and that's enough for anybody. Yeah, well, in fact, the message that came in about wanting to mail a check, that lady was just like, I heard something about sending Bibles to Asia. Uh, how do I do that? <laughs> so she didn't need the whole story, but Michael Woolworth from Bible League, he's based in Chicago. He joined us a couple of times in the last few weeks and really shared some individual stories about how these Bibles are used. There's training involved. There's something called Project Philip, uh, which is based on a passage in the book of Acts that talks about the Word of God and explaining it and helping expound on the Word of God. So those are available to you on our homepage. We have a whole long list of podcasts of the different programs, and Michael's picture's there in the description of the show. So if you'd like more insight into what the ministry's all about, you're welcome to, to listen to that. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you like as well, wherever you get your podcast. It's just look for the Tim DeMoss show and that'll uh, take care of that. So let's see. Uh, we have a quick break to take, and then we're going to bring in one of our favorite guys. He's on the program every now and again, Gary G. Cobb, played for the Eagles. He's a longtime broadcaster in this market. And... Um, very godly guy as well. Very funny. Love having him on. We find ourselves in some pretty interesting times on multiple levels, including the topic of, uh, of uh, race and, of course, in the aftermath of uh, George Floyd's death. And um, so I want to talk with him about some of those things, maybe a little sports, too, because he's pretty smart about that stuff as well. So we'll have him on. We may have another guest or two before the hour's through. A couple other things planned. But I uh, really want to give the floor to Gary Cobb. He's articulate. He's got a lot of wisdom. And as I've gotten to know him the past 20-plus years, I like listening to what he has to say. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to get our first break going, and then we will bring in uh, Gary Cobb. Looking forward to that very much. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in today. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 410, The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Pleased to bring on board now longtime friend of the program, frequent guest, the one and only Gary Cobb. Gee, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. How you making out? <laughs> You want to know for, for 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 real? I'm pooped. I'm tired. I'm fried. But I am. I am. But by God's grace, you do the next thing right in front of you, right? 
Uh-huh. And then you get a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I... Yeah. You got a beautiful day. I tell you, it's a beautiful, sunshiny day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but, uh, I understand. Yeah. We've had a lot. It's good. When you have, especially we have a large family, and that's part of it. We have uh, something going on all the time. We were actually at a funeral earlier today, a very sad situation, a family in our church. Yesterday, my daughter turned 10. Uh, son went back to college or got you Florida on Saturday. Like every day, it's like, okay, what's today? What am I supposed to do today? What's the what's the, right. what's the hat I wear today? And you know that <laughs> as much as anybody, right? With married, children, grandkids, sports. That's right. Mentoring. So, but the constant the Lord, right? Well, it, yeah, it, it, uh, it definitely makes things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... And and then of course uh, the, what's happening in our culture uh, these days a uh, big the big storylines obviously the coronavirus and uh, and George mm-hmm. Floyd and um, yeah I honestly just thought you know I'd love to I, I had a few basic questions but I thought I'd just like to give you the the floor a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. and share what's what's rattling around in your brain these days with everything you're you're witnessing. Well, you know the big thing that of course you know uh, people will say well you know you're a black man and, you know, uh, uh, you're living in America and blah, blah, blah. You know, well, first of all, the first thing I am is I'm a believer. That That's number one. And, you know, that has the major effect on me is the fact that, you know, I believe that um, Jesus Christ is my Lord and that he is uh, really the, the one that I look to all the time uh, for guidance and uh, for truth. You know, and, you know, I, 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 can, I can definitely say that, you know, um, I, I think in some ways that, you know, uh, as an um, a African-American, uh, whatever, however you want to uh, use it, um, there definitely is, you know, growing up in America, you know, I have had some experiences, you know, with the kind of thing where, you know, uh, and had talks with both my son and grandsons, you know, that, hey, if you get stopped by the police, you know, you treat them with respect. Uh, you let them know right away you're not there to be confrontational, things like that. And see, because I've seen things happen throughout my life, like first thing that people rarely say anything about is the biggest thing that I saw that had effect upon African-Americans was uh, the welfare back in the early 1960s. And, and what I'm talking about is uh, I, I was growing up down in North Carolina. You know, we moved north when I was six years old. Yeah. And I saw the effect upon uh, our family and how many marriages were disrupted uh, because it was like welfare was like this gold mine. And I, I remember my grandfather saying, you know, uh, that a man belongs with his family. And there was an incentive that, you know, if you didn't have a man there, you know, you can get on this and, and take care of the kids and everything. And it was, it was the worst thing they could have done because all of the things you see happening, the different challenges in the inner city community, it's all because of the disrupted family. It, you know, that people say, well, it's racism. No, 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 that's not the number one issue because if you look at the stats, you see so many of them go back to where, uh, like if, um, if if you grow up in a family without the father, you are uh, 279% more likely to be dealing drugs or carrying a gun. 
279% more likely than a kid that grew up with a father in the home. Mm. And I can tell you that I'm here talking to you now. I would not be here now were it not for the fact that I grew up with my father. In fact, a very, uh, a very active father. You know, my father was a little guy. I'm, you know, uh, you know, like I'm 6'3". My dad is 5'6". <laughs> but he's all man. And there was no question about who was the boss in the house. <laughs> and... and he, he told us when we were small, uh, he told us, you're going to get your education. I don't care what these other kids did, because in the school I went to, it was, if you were black, it was not cool to do well in school. They were going like, man, you're acting like a white boy. You know, you're doing well in school. See, these type of things people don't talk about, but they're, they're so destructive in the, in, in the black community. These are things that have developed. It's, 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 it's negatives. But... Um, so to get through it as a black kid, you need, you need a dad. A lot of times your mom cannot be strong enough, especially once the, the boy starts growing up. And see, I had my dad there, and I saw my cousins, uh, and quite a few of my cousins, they went to jail. You know, they did, they, a lot of them were good athletes. Uh, they could have gone right along with me. They could have gone to college and things. But their dads weren't there. My dad was there. And... He was very forceful. He let it be known that we're going to do things the way that they decide that they want us to do it. And so one of the things is he would always come in the house after he got home from work, and we're in there looking at TV. He said, cut that TV off and get a book in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know? sir. And I'm going like, oh, man. But, but from that, and, and, uh, and you know, um, see, and all this happened because my dad um, – he, he dropped out of school in the eighth grade, he and my mom, when they were young down in the South. But he went to the Army, and while he was in the Army, he saw the only people they promoted were guys with their high school diploma. So he said, you know what, you got to get an education. So when he got out of the Army, he drove the bus. This was down South. He drove the bus, and when he drove the kids to school, he got out of the bus, went to school with the kids, and got his high school diploma. And he vowed that all of us were going to get our education. And so, you know, I have an older brother. My oldest brother went to Dartmouth. You know, my oldest sister went to Dartmouth. Wow. You know, I went to USC, but, you know, I have a little brother that's an aerospace engineer. He went to Cornell. I got another little sister that went to the University of Connecticut, and she's an insurance executive. I have another little brother that went to NYU who's up on Broadway. All my brothers and sisters went to college. And we, we were not well off. Like, I remember when we were little eating mayonnaise sandwiches and ketchup sandwiches, you know, and I didn't realize that when we were little that there's supposed to be meat in between that bread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but, but, but then, you know, uh, things developed. My dad got a good job. He got a job as a postal clerk. We had to move out of the South because down there he couldn't get a good job because so many things were blocked off if you were black. And so we saw all of that, you know, and, but yet, you know, um, now, like the next generation of, of our kids, my brother's kids, you know, going all to Harvard, Yale, you know, uh, Stanford, you know, they're all doing great things. But the thing is, is, you know, um, is learning how to read early, you know, having your kids read early, things like that. You know, uh, they have the different stats. If, like uh, I go into the prisons, three out of five uh you know, people in prison in America, three out of five can't read. Wow. Three out of five people in prison 
can't read. Now, now look, look what that says. Is that racial? See, that's not really racial. They can't read. So once somebody can't read, they, 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 they have to go through some other ways, you know, to make a living. Whatever. They can't read. They lose all their confidence. That's why the, one of the things that needs to be done is that you should not trap, you know, uh, black kids in bad schools. Their parents should be able to let them go to a different school. Let them, you know, these bad schools, it, it's a trap. You know, if, if a kid doesn't learn how to read early, especially you've got a young, young, a young boy who doesn't learn how to read, and there's so many things that are going to get him caught up because he's not going to be having success in school. And so he loses his confidence and he figures he's got to do something somewhere else. So he drops out and he, next thing he's out there, you know, uh, with the drug scene. And, and unfortunately, and look how many kids are being killed. I mean, you know, so, and these things, they're not risk, you know, father in the home, okay? Uh, my, the only reason I'm talking to you is because my dad was there, and he told all of us, we, we knew we could not get in trouble in school, we, could, we had to be home at a certain time, and my mom, she could not have had these results if it worked for my dad, because he had a strong hand. <laughs> <So, laughs> you, you felt that hand a couple so, times? Oh, hey, I, hey, it felt more than a couple. I'll tell you that. I felt that strap. I felt that strap, you know. And then he, he, and the thing is, he would be quoting the scripture as he put that heat on you. You know, spare the rod and spoil the child. He says, you know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from me. <laughs> wow. That is really, that's a great story. And I mean, yeah, you know. But, you know but you see what's happening. Now, we weren't, you know, what was so special about us? But you see where so much success that we've been able to thank God. And, you know, the Lord, of course, the Lord was in our lives, you know. But that was the way my parents lived. You know, they, we didn't have a lot of mess in the house. And, you know, we, we, we knew right away, that this is not the way to go. You know, now, when I got away, see, now, I wanted to get away from my dad. So I grew up in Connecticut. I went to school in California. I wanted to get away from him. But see, the things he had sold in me, though, once I got out there, I realized, you know what? He was telling me the truth all the time. You know, I came about while I was there at, at University of Southern California with all the stuff going on. Of course, all, everybody's getting high and all the craziness going on. Everybody, you know, is trying to jump in the sack with everybody. And I realized that my dad had been telling me the truth all along. You know, I, I, I didn't know it then. I was, I was uh, battling him, you know, and uh, my older brother, too. But, but we learned. We came to realize that, you know, if you sow that in your kids down the road, it tells you in the Scripture, you know, uh, that, that they, they're going to come to that light to, to know that what you were doing, that's the path to go down. And so I go into the prisons, and I go in there, and, and I, will, I will play with the kids, but I get them to read, because they, if a kid can't read, he loses his confidence, and right away he get caught, gets caught up in those streets. And I would like to see the, 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 uh, the, the players and see, you know, the, the, the teams go into the prisons. And, and, uh, and because these guys, because they see me on TV, you know, they always oh, see you on Fox 29. So I can get them to say, okay, hey, we're getting ready to read. We're going to work on our reading. We know, cause, see, because once a kid gets big, See, then he doesn't want to work on his reading because that shows everybody can't read, you know, yeah. and rather than humble himself and say, you know what, I, 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 I need to start where I'm at 
And that's why I try to help them do is to start where they're at. But uh, but 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 the but the big things happening in the in African American community. Uh, first of all, number one is not enough fathers. And what you have is you have a community where you got eighty percent of the fathers not in place. You know, it really just you know it's it's tough. It's tough. And so, um, you know, those are the, you know those are the stats. And so people will look at all these other things. And, and kids, boy, I tell you, you see so much talent. Uh, kids with ability to sing and bright and, you know, are great athletes. And they're in prison because the kid gets lo- lost and then he's out there. Just, you know, times you go in the car, you just start, you know, you just, you just, you just can't. You just go, oh, man, this is just terrible. Gary G. Cobb's our guest, longtime uh, Philly sports uh, talk show host and uh, played for the Eagles and a couple other teams in the NFL. And, Gary, if you, do you have a little more time to hang out with us? I had a couple oh, questions yeah. to yeah, yeah, good. No good. problem. No problem. <laughs> okay, uh, we're just going to take a quick break, and we'll keep our conversation going. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. It's AM five sixty WFL dot com and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM five sixty WFIL and WFIL dot com. It's four twenty seven. The Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. A lot of sunshine today, 89 the high, some clouds await this evening, 68 the low, mix of clouds and sun tomorrow, high 92, may get some thunder showers on Thursday and the temperature in the lower 80s. World of sports is slowly starting to open up, the major sports leagues making some progress in their various fields, possibly getting their uh, seasons and or playoffs underway. We'll dig more into that in the next few days uh, with a guest or two, perhaps. And we can even chat with that about that with Gary Cobb, who's our guest. Gary G. Cobb joins us every now and again. And uh, today, though, we're doing a little more on the side, I think, of of just you know uh, racism and George Floyd. And we're talking but more specifically. I love what you, you said in the opening um, you know, conversation there, G. And just a lot of the things you said made spawn more questions for me. But. I think I just learned listening, and I, and I hope that uh, well, I guess one of my practical questions is, you know, we see a lot of demonstrations, we see uh, uh, people go out and about and saying lots of different things, lots of narratives, lots of stories. Uh, Drew Brees, Malcolm Jenkins commentary, Charles Barkley gets involved. People are saying this about it. So there's a lot of energy out there, and I I listen to it, I read some of it, and I'm asking myself, uh, you know, people are free to say the different things they're saying, but what's like what's helpful perhaps if there's a way to do that, maybe it's going to be different for everybody, but what's worth talking about and, and what needs to be heard? What needs to be considered? Like what you just said there about uh, so many kids not being able to read and, and the struggle as they get older, not wanting to learn because it would be embarrassing just to have my mouth shut long enough to hear that that's, that's the experience of somebody, what they must go through and how they have to find a different path to make a living and and to find their way, I don't know how many people really consider, like, even pause long enough to consider what it would be like to be in that position, and therefore have your life kind of shaped by that. And so, I guess well, I'm, I want, mean, yeah. So, I, I, you've already said some very key things, but I'm wondering if there's some more things you think. Like, look, if we could, everybody can talk what they want to talk about, but if we can pause long enough, here's some really important things. If we put our energy toward this, like people listening to this show, go tutor go help or do something. What can people actually do and what, what's helpful to talk about? Well, that's, that's one right there. Um, they, they have, uh, there are numerous programs where, uh, you have tutoring, um, uh, 
you know, in fact, going in, uh, I think I know I have some programs where they, they let people come into jail and help kids, uh, or, you know, especially youth. See, the, you know, the, the thing, that, and then the thing about the, um, uh, you, you've got to get to kids early. That, that's the thing. That means that when kids are, like in um, preschool and in, in, in elementary school and all that, you know, the, the, it's very important that, that that youngster has some success. So you, you can't put, they've got to be in a good school. You know, if the school is having problems, a lot of times the problem might be, you know, problems in the school, and then the kid plays the part for it, uh, pays the, uh, you know, pays for it with their life, you know, because that school is not a good school. And uh, there's been fights for uh, allowing uh, kids to go to, uh, you know, the school that their parents can let them go, meaning like they could go out of the area because uh, they have the stats that, unfortunately, in a lot of the inner city communities, you have an abundance of bad schools where the kids are not, you know, performing up to, you know, to the level they should be. And it's not just the kids are the problem. The, the, the teachers, uh, the principals, uh, the whole environment is bad. And so if a kid gets caught in that, then, then it's going to be very difficult for them. But it's very important that as a youngster, the youngster learns how to read. Because how can you learn if you can't read? You know, you can't yeah. really learn the material if you can't read. So... It's very important that whatever they do, don't pass the kid on. I mean, you've got to make sure they learn how to read. And so that's got to be something that's, you know, um, vital and, and really uh, more important. But see, what you've got going on is you've got all these politics going on, and the kid is caught in the middle, meaning like you've got the, the teachers' union is fighting for their whatever, you know, and they're fighting because they don't want any of these public schools to be closed or, or anybody to be held responsible for these kids not being able to read. But see, that's where you got to, you know, somebody's got to come in and be tough. And, and it's not going to be nice with everybody. Look, these kids have got to be able to learn how to read. And if you're not doing a good job, I'm sorry, we're going to have to replace you. And we can't have a situation where you got teachers that have, you can't fire them. Hmm. I mean, you know, so so that's what you have. The kids caught in the middle of that. And see, it's not just people just think everything's race. It's not race. A lot of it is politics. And I'm and and, and you know I know some people like him. What I'm going to say, but you have the same political party that's running all of these cities, and they'll come out and go, well, yeah, you know, uh, like um, I saw where they they got this bill where they want to uh, change up things with the police. Well, up there in Minneapolis. Everybody up there is Democrat. The, the, the mayor, the governor, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, attorney general, uh, they, are, they are in charge of taking care of that police department. And clearly, somebody dropped the ball with that police department because to have four officers not do anything and you've got a person saying, I can't breathe, come on, that's de- a yeah. decent person is going to go, hey, the person said they can't breathe. That, that, that doesn't take any... You know, what does that take to say, hey, hey, man, he said he can't breathe. Come on. I mean, that, that doesn't even take much. But that says, see, yeah. that something has been deteriorating in that department. And ultimately, the way things are running best is you've got to help, have people who are held accountable. And somebody dropped the ball, and you could go all the way up to the mayor there, 
because he's ultimately in charge, and then you got people under him. But you've got to hold people accountable. You cannot let that go on, and, and, uh, and it's a shame. But, uh, and, and then, unfortunately, that when you have, like, with, with a lot of these kids, when the kids can't learn, so then they're going to, I mean, if they haven't learned to read, then the kids become destructive. And they, you know, because they can't participate with everybody else because they can't read. They can't follow along. Yeah, and that, so, uh, let you me, know, for those something's got to be dealt with. For those just tuning in, chat with Gary G. Cobb, uh, former Eagle, played in the NFL for nine, ten years. He's been in the uh, media broadcasting Eleven. business. Eleven? I knew that was hey, good. Hey, let me share this real quick. Let me share this real quick with you, uh, Tim. Yeah. You know, um, while I was in the NFL, we were going through the, the um, you know, putting in what they call the game plan, you know, really the, uh, this is at the beginning of the year. So we're putting in all of the different, you know, uh, defenses, because I played on the defense and everything. So we're putting in the defense. And so we got everybody going around and, you know, everybody's taking their turn to read, you know, our, our playbook. And say, this is what we got to do. So one of the, they called on one of the guys and, he starts reading, and everybody's going, hey, what page are we on? Hey, wait a minute, what page are we on? So he keeps on reading, right? Mm. We all realize he's just making up stuff because he can't read. Oh. We all just sat there, just, you know. But, but then, you know, we said, you know what, we got to help this guy, man. We got to help him. And, and, and you know what? All of us have issues and things that we could – we need to improve on and everything, and but we got to just humble ourselves. And we said, "Hey, man, we're going to help you, man." And um, yeah. we we helped take care of that. But you could imagine, you know, um, the 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 um, the fear they had in him, figuring at some point he's going to be asked to read, and knowing that he can't read. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's just a tough challenge. But but I'll I'll tell you that that if this issue was solved, you eliminate a lot of problems. People will say that it's race and everything. It got nothing to do with race. It's that you got too many kids not able to read. Because how could you compete or communicate or do anything in our society now with all the computers and all the things going on if you're sitting there and you know you can't read? Well, and as you're talking, G, I'm thinking I, I don't. I don't actually say a lot about a lot of the things going on in our culture. I not said a lot about coronavirus. I've not said a lot about uh, George Floyd on purpose, partly because there's so many voices. And I think I'd be repeating some things some people are saying and or just another voice saying more things. Um, When I boil it down and I look at all of these topics, including what we're talking about today, the word love, that when Jesus said love one another, that takes so many forms. Like, for the for someone who's afraid to open their mouth because they don't know how to read, anybody like I would I would encourage our listening audience, maybe that's someone in our audience, right? But yeah, think about how you could make someone feel safe, uh, not in the way it's used these days, safe spaces, all this like mamby pamby. I'm talking that when you love somebody, they know that you are for them. And they don't have to be afraid, but you're going to really come alongside them. And that could be whether they just don't have a certain skill or they haven't learned to read. It could be anything else. It could literally – I've said this about leadership. If you don't like our governor 
or the governor of New Jersey or the president, be mm-hmm. really careful. Like the, whatever political party and who you feel about, Correct. be really careful what you say because God's charge to you, independent of who's in office, is to mm-hmm. love one another. And the very first thing on that list is love is patient. You should, you really need to be I'm not just patient, kind, and the rest mm-hmm. of the list we all know in yeah. 1 Corinthians 13. I guess my point is, with that sort of thing, I, my understanding is, and, and God says, love your enemies. All that to say, you should be for everybody, like wishing well for them. You should yep. be including your enemies. And that if you if you find yourself starting to hate, that thing has gotten bigger than what God has told you to do. You can be frustrated, yes, but... You really keep having to keep check yourself and not get carried away with all the commentary and all the stuff and say, what can I do before God? How can I love my neighbor? How can I love him? And that includes if you're against the president saying, I hope he's this, he's that by God's grace. I hope he, I really hope for him. He sees this, not you know, begrudgingly, uh, you know, <laughs> like like Jonah on top of the mountain. Those Ninevites, I don't even want them to repent. If you really, well, you feel know, the, uh, right or the, the governor says that we, we're supposed to, we're supposed to pray for those that are in authority. Yes, right. Take that seriously. And anyway, mm-hmm. I, I bring all that up, and I just bouncing off of what you're saying because I would hope that our just the conversation we're having, the listeners are thinking about what can I really do that shows love to people. And, uh, and maybe you don't even know what it is. Maybe it will take different forms for different listeners. One person maybe is going to listen to this, I hope, and say, how can I help someone learn how to read? That You've made that really clear how important that is. So I don't know if you have any particular uh, off the top of your head places that they can do that or, or a funnel for that. Or if just people can take it on their own initiative and say, let me see how I could maybe mentor somebody. Uh, That's right. I would right? tell you to look out, and, and, and especially guys um, – that um, the reading component, and also a lot, you got a lot of youngsters who don't have a man in their life, you know, especially boys who don't have a man in their life, you know, don't have a mentor, don't have somebody that's telling them, you know, I believe in you, I care about you, you know, I, 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 I think, uh, you know, you got some challenges here, but I see potential. You can, you can do this, you know, you can do this. Um, somebody, you know, just having a man do that because. When I go into prisons and I mention, talk about the dad, you know, a lot of the guys are almost, it's almost like they just go into, uh, you know, they just don't want to hear anything else about it because they, they got these, you know, uh, they haven't had a man in their life. They haven't, their dad is not in their life and they got challenges there. And the stats I told you about the reading, uh, they are that way when it comes to, you know, father in the home. You know, um, you've got, you know, such a, you know, chance for unfortunate, uh, unfortunate things to happen without the dad in the home. And so uh, a man can take the place and be a mentor there. And a lot of the guys, like a lot of guys are playing in NFL, you know, their, their coach became kind of like their dad-like figure and got involved more than coaching. And a lot of them, that's why they made it to the NFL, because they, they believed in that, because that guy believed in them. And that coach believed in them, and, hmm. and it, it got them believing in themselves. And boom, now they're in the NFL, and if it were not for that coach, they, w- they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have made it. Yeah. 
Gary, do you have one more? Uh, can you hang us for one more quick break here? Nope, no problem. No okay, problem. that'd be great. Gary G. Cobb is our guest. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFL.com, and on the app, back in just a moment. Live and local, it's The Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 444 on The Tim DeMoss Show. Gary G. Cobb hanging out with us, former Eagle, played in the NFL 11 years, and... Uh, <laughs> Also, a longtime broadcaster and uh, husband of one, father of how many? Father of three. And grandfather of four. All right. So you got a lot going on. And also, you uh, spend a lot of time mentoring. Uh, you work with NFL players, uh, helping them post career. You also serve in prisons and, and mentor and speak to uh, inmates and uh, reach them with the word of God. And there's just a lot of good things that we've enjoyed hearing from you over the, the couple of years on the program here. And today, I'm just it's glad to be able to, I'm glad to be able to hang out and just uh, take the time to talk through some of the things going on in our, in our world right now. Um, something that you mentioned near the beginning of our program, I think it's also helpful for people to consider. Uh, you said, I think that you had, you spoke with your kids about if they're stopped by an officer, um, kind of like prep, preparing them for, or, or certain situations, preparing them. If you find yourself here, this is how, how you need to be ready. Or Troy Vincent, I read uh, an article he just posted, or uh, I think he wrote a column, um, mm-hmm. right, about these things. And um, that's something, uh, and let me read one other quick thing for you here. There's a, a friend of mine, her name is Danielle Kimmy Torres. She was um, in the group Out of Eden uh, for a number of years, her, she and her two sisters. And she just posted on Facebook yesterday. Uh, she said, um, I wonder how bright our stars would be if we'd all just give ourselves permission to shine. Last night I watched Michelle Obama's Becoming with my family. The part that moved me the most was how unworthy many of the people in the film felt. Unworthy to be in the room, unworthy to be celebrated, unworthy to be heard. It saddened me to my core. I believe in God created us. He meant for us to shine, all of us. Much like the way we see children, we can see each one as special, smart, and important. As we grow up, something changes. We begin to listen to voices telling us that we're too much, too young, too old, too radical, too much energy, too black, too weird or that we're not enough. The first time I can recall believing one of those lies, I was around 10. I was told I'm not good enough to be a singer and I should stick to dancing and entertaining. The next lie I believe was my English was too white to be accepted in my all-black school. Another lie was I was too radical and needed to become normal to fit into Christian society. Each of those lies had to be torn down. It took years, life experience, prayer, and therapy to become the woman you see today. I'm so glad to put the work into dismantle lies and walk in the fullness of who I am. So that's most of what she wrote. And I just wanted to throw the ball back to you so people understand also perhaps the dilemma that a, a young man or woman in African-American community as they're growing, as they're finding their own way, which is tough in any, for any human being, to also have to consider am i am i acting in a certain what's the right way i'm supposed to be acting in conjunction to race because i don't know that whites are ever thinking how they're acting for example right like i'm only too black it's a, it's a black saying am i too white so you, and you mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit of that right i mean so is that part yeah. of something that would be helpful for people to remember that that's part of the challenge also uh, that is definitely a, a challenge because uh, i know 
uh, a lot of times, you know, in the African-American community where, you know, kids are under all this pressure where, um, you know, they, they want, they, they don't want to be considered, well, you know, uh, you're acting white or whatever, you know, that type of thing. And, and see, um, when you got, get some of these, uh, different situations going on in a school, you know, with the different peer group pressures and all that, um, it, it can get pretty complicated. You know, that's why it's so important with the parents, you know, to be there to uh, give the kid, uh, you know, kids getting some love and encouragement from their parents. And, uh, you know, because it, it, it's a challenge. In a lot of inner city situations, uh, you've got uh, different types of violence where, you know, kids are threatened and, and, and all the different things going on. It, it, it's it's not easy. And, you know, I've, I've seen all of this, seen a lot of things. That's why it's such a challenge for the kid to grow up, especially, you know, the, the girls, of course, they have their challenges. But the, the young men, they are really the focal point where um, we're just losing too many of our young men. That You know, you, you see, I mean, look at the violence. You know, every you look at TV every day, there's something, somebody being shot. There was somebody shot this morning, killed in Philadelphia, you know, and, and, and they say a teenager, it's a young boy. And, and unfortunately now with the youngster, it is so easy to get caught up in this drug thing because, you know, the, the, the drug business is big and there's a lot of money flowing and a kid can, can, um, uh, in a, in a day or so he's out on the corner, uh, working for the drug guy and he doesn't realize it though. It could be his last day any day um, because of the way the violence is. Because, you know, they don't do deals where a guy's got a corner and goes, okay, you know, I want to sell that corner. Uh, and you say, well, you know, I'm, I think I'll, I'll give you $200,000 for that corner. You know, I want to work up that. No, that, that's not the way they do business. Somebody comes out there and shoots whoever's on that corner. And they say, well, we're taking over this corner. And see, oh, that's why you have all the violence with the, with the drugs and stuff. And unfortunately, you got kids that get caught up in it and see what happens is you got a little a kid who doesn't really know anything about uh, the, the drugs and, and, and the dealing and everything. But it's so, it, it's, it's just so flagrant and, it, and it's so uh, available that a kid can so easily get caught up into it where all of a sudden they're in it. And now if they get arrested, you know, uh, they were looking at five to ten years immediately, and you know uh, they they changed that though. Thankfully, we got rid of you know the mass incarceration thing and the, the uh, maximum minimums. But it's still it's just really tough. Uh, all the stuff is swirling around a kid, and a lot of the kids, uh, a lot of the guys that play sports, you know, they they got all the stuff swirling around them. Uh, and so for a kid to make it out. You know, it's, it's really uh, something to say hallelujah for because it's, that's not easy. But, um, yeah. And that's why, you know, times I go through and I, I know what these kids are dealing with. I just say, you know, my God, help them, Lord. You know, let me help them however I can help them, you know, um, because it's a challenge, especially, as I said, if they don't have a dad or a coach or uncle or somebody that they can use as a role model. Uh, and they don't wind up making the guy that's dealing drugs their role model. Once they do that, then then they go that direction, and and that's why you've got so many of them with all the violence and all the killings that are going on right there in Philadelphia. 
You know, you look on TV, it's happening every day. And it's yeah. going, same thing's going on in L.A., New York, Baltimore, you know, all these cities throughout the country, you know. And so that's why, uh, I, you know, I, I try to do what I can for, for the young men because uh, they need help. And a lot, a lot of them just need somebody to come there to them. And, and uh, the, really the best thing that happens to me is I'll be walking somewhere in the, in the, in the city and everything. And somebody goes, hey, Mr. Cobb. Hey, Mr. Cobb. The corner. Where, where, where you know me from? You came into. Uh, I was in prison. You came over into the water call or whatever. And you know what? It makes life worth it for me. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, let's see, G. You know, this is not a topic that can be or needs to be confined to one program. So hopefully, we can we can also discuss more. We have in the past, but obviously, right now, it's it's such a such a uh, you know, <laughs> and 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 rightly so. Something that's mm-hmm. coming to the foreground even more so. Um, yeah. May may the Lord be at work in these days to really bring about some extra extra good change. And um, yeah, you I, know, you but know. I, I thought Martin Luther King hit it right though. He says, "Hey, you got to love people." What you had, when you were going there, that you know, people had love. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my mom used to clean house for this family. Uh, the name of them was the Harpers. Well, they saw what my mom and my dad were dreaming up for their kids. So they, they, they were, they were like a, our host. I mean, they uh, helped us. They paid for us to go to a camp during the summer. Uh, they were sending us stuff when we went to college, you know, uh, they just got caught up in and saw that my parents wanted us to be able to do things they never dreamed of doing. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, we thank God for them. We still are. Uh, friends and we, we still interact and uh, we, we uh, spend time with the Harpers because they helped us and and they were uh, white you know they helped us and I thank God for them you know and um you know there are people like that that's why you know getting in things where it's it's not it's not it's not about racial you know because we we can love each other people care about I mean, you know and I met so many good people. Uh, all different races, good people. People yeah. care about each other, and that's why we we can work together. And um, you know, Martin Luther King had it right and said, you know, hey, you you, you uh, love got to be in the middle of it because uh, the bitterness it, it just um, it'll destroy you. You know, it's not going to destroy the other person. That bitterness ends up destroying you. So yeah, amen. God and you know what, everybody, amen. Well, and gee, you know, well said. And and love cuts through everything. So yep. some people's experiences are going to be so different from someone else within even the African American community, the white community. So you know, well, you know, you could make it give advice to, to try this, do this or that. Other people it's going to be, well, that doesn't quite resonate with me, but uh loving people, listening and 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 being humble in your spirit toward other people, that cuts through all of that. So you know what I would yes, hope that, right? So yep. uh yes, then, then you can go from there. Well, yep. G- uh, the show's almost out, so I got to quick get another break in, and then we're out of time after that. But um, let's chat again sometime before long and keep the conversation going. Hey, sounds good. Uh, you know, God bless everybody. And you know what? Uh, Jesus is still on the throne, so we we can be confident everything's going to work out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Greetings Amen. to your family. We'll catch you again, G. Thanks so much. All right. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. It's Gary G. Cobb. On the Tim DeMoss Show, quick break. We'll wrap up right after that on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. Coming down the home stretch of the program. Thank you for listening in.
800-YES-WORD if you want to help out in our partnership with Bible League. 1,618 Bibles down, only 582 to go. They're five bucks a piece, 800-YES-WORD, or click the Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia banner at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.